The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Our scripture text this morning is Matthew 2, verse 1 through 12, and it's found on page 807 of the chair Bibles in front of you. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word that is written, that's written down for us to have, to study, to see it, to be led by it. We thank you so much, Lord, that um, you have brought us all here together to hear a word from you. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me to all of our hearts, that we would learn and be changed more and more to look more and more like your son, the Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, for a change um, in our lives and in our attitudes and our minds so that in the coming year, Lord, we will be marked as your people. We would be different than the world and that we would be set aside for your glory. Uh, Lord, you know what's on our hearts. You know what's on our minds, what burdens that we carry today. And Lord, I thank you that you have told us to lay these burdens down at your feet that you would take those burdens, Lord, and that you would give us your yoke, which is light. So, Lord, as we come here, we pray for focused minds, Lord, and hearts open to your word, and we thank you for delivering your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today we're concluding our mini-series called Christmas with a Jewish Tax Collector, and we were just going through the first uh, portions of um, Matthew chapter 1 and today too. And we have seen Matthew tell us some amazing things about Jesus. Number one, in part one, we talked about his genealogy, his uh, amazing Davidic genealogy uh, to prove that Jesus is the Davidic king come to save his people. He showed us where Jesus came from. And in that genealogy, we saw some amazing things like um, women, for instance, or Gentiles, and some really of sinners <laughs> included in that genealogy. 
And Matthew was telling us, well, Jesus came for these people. And Jesus is uh, the king. He's the rightful king. And then last week we saw a divine miracle. We saw Jesus being born by a virgin. And the scripture that was written, the prophecy that was written about Jesus was 700 years before Jesus came. And Jesus, if he was the true Messiah, had to fulfill that scripture. And it was so unique that a virgin will bear a son. And Matthew showed us that this is how um, Jesus fulfills that scripture. We saw that the birth happened, um, and he is the divine king. He is God with us. And then today we're going to see a story with wise men. How many of you guys heard about the wise men before? You guys seen it on holiday cards? Right? It's a theology book. Um, this is such a strange incident that happened in the early days of Jesus. And Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, thought it necessary to, to tell us about this. And so we have it in front of us and we were going to learn, you know, what made them wise? Where did they come from? What was their purpose here? What are we supposed to learn from them? These are the questions we're going to look at today. Um, so before we begin, we have two important questions, actually, that we're going to answer today. And the first question is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? The second question we're going to ask is, what are his people like? Who is Jesus, and what are his people like? So number one, Jesus. In verse 1 of chapter 2, we see, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, stop right there, Jesus. What does Matthew tell us about Jesus? Look up in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. It says this, and this is uh, talking to Joseph because he was like, oh, my virgin wife is pregnant. She cheated on me. I'm going to leave her now. And the angel was telling him not to do that. And here's the prophecy that the angel said. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he, what? Will save for Jesus will save. Does it say that Jesus may save his people? No. Jesus will try to save his people? No. It says he will save. And who is he saving? His people. His people. It's different than all people. We have a specific category above this group of people. His people. And what is he saving his people from? Yes, they're saving them from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. So, so far we see Jesus as a divine king who is a savior coming to save his people from their sins. The next thing I want us to see is uh, we, we went over this a couple months ago in the book of Philippians, chapter 2. In an amazing poem, Paul tells us who Jesus is. 
It says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He was talking about humility, and now you want to identify with Jesus and his humility. Who though he was in the what? He was in the form of God. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What did Jesus do? But what? Emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And what is the next two words? Being born in the likeness of men. Okay? And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. This God, who was in the form of God, did not think he should hang on to that God-like quality. He emptied himself and he humbled himself and took on a form of a man so that he can be killable. To take your place and my place. Look what it says. Even death on a cross. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is how Jesus saved his people from their sins. Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross for our sins. It says that he became obedient. Jesus was the only one that was obedient to the Father, that it pleased the Father. He lived a perfect life that you and I were supposed to live. Jesus was the one who was obedient to the Father. And then going to the cross, he takes our disobedience and our sin and the consequence of that sin eternally on himself. And God then takes Jesus' obedience and his righteousness and gives it to you. This is how he saved his people. He took their place. God became a man so that he can take our place on the cross. So we see Jesus is the promised divine king. He was in the form of God, remember? And he fulfills his people's salvation by being obedient to the Father and obeying him in this way. Oh, so that's Jesus. Okay? And he was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Now, if a king is to be born or God is coming, it's, it's, it's in our human nature to think he's going to be in a big city, right? Or have a palace, have a parade, have some sort of ceremony or festival where everyone is like, wow, this is the king. He's, he's come. Let's celebrate this. God doesn't do that. God comes to a little town in Bethlehem, six mi about six miles south of Jerusalem, to a little old village, to a little humble family, God is being born there. And we don't see here in Matthew any celebration. We know uh, later on we'll find out that this is about two years after he was born. Okay? So we had the beautiful shepherd moment when God told the shepherds, glory to God, I bring you good news. You remember that, that story? Then we have the two prophets in the temple, praising God that they've seen the salvation. 
And then two years pass, baby, I mean, the, the baby has been born, and two years later, we don't see him being celebrated. We don't see him being received by his own people. He was a rejected king. And he was born in the time of Herod, the king. We're just, we're just setting up the scene here, guys. Work with me. In the days of Herod, the king. Herod, the king. We know a couple things about Herod. One thing is that he, built, he was rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem for the Jews. He built theaters. Uh, he built libraries. I mean, he, he built cities. But also, Herod was very ruthless. And he was a murderer. He killed his wife, his two sons. He was very paranoid. He loved the throne very much. And this is the time period of 37 B.C. to about 4 B.C. till he died. Um, and this is, the, this is the ruler of the Jews. Herod was put there by Rome. He was appointed there by Rome to be there over the Jewish people. So this is where Jesus is coming. He was born in this time. Herod is ruling. Jesus is not being celebrated or welcomed. He's kind of in a small little town and village. This is going on. And then the Bible says, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. These are not Jewish people. These are Gentiles. And they have traveled, many people think, from Iraq. So they traveled for about four months to get to Jerusalem. And it's so strange that now they're here and they have a question on their lips. Verse 2. What are they saying in verse 2? They're saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to what? Worship him. Now that's, that's strange. They're very confident that this king is born and that he's the king of the Jews. And they saw his star, and they've come to worship him. These, are, um, these wise men, they're, um, another name for them are magi. Uh, they studied the stars. They were astrologers. They um, studied ancient books. They studied sorcery or magic. They studied dreams. They were usually in the king's council. They helped the king uh, make decisions. Uh, so they... They recognize kings. And around, the, so around that time, there were Jewish living in that area in Babylon, which is where they think they had a copy of the Old Testament. So they had some limited knowledge of the Old Testament. And they were studying the, star, they were studying the stars, and it seems like they saw a specific star, a new star, his star. They saw a divine sign for them to come and worship this new king of the Jews. And they're coming to Jerusalem. And the reason why they are coming to Jerusalem is because this is the big city. If the, if the party is going on, this is where it's going to happen in Jerusalem. And this word, um, so they're coming and they're asking this question. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And the word saying means that they kept asking. And no one seems to be knowing what they're talking about. We don't get an answer for them here. They're coming and saying. Another thing about these wise men, there weren't really three of them. 
we think it's three because of the gifts that they brought. But it, was, it might have been like 30 to 300. It's a caravan. It's a, they, they have been given uh, horses and chariots and people, and they have come five months through the desert. They had food. They had all the preparations. So they entered the city. This is something totally different than what everyone is used to. And they're asking about this king that's born. And they're going to come worship. What does Gentiles have to do with our, our worship? They had limited knowledge, but what they did have was humble faith. And they were seeking to worship Jesus. So, the first sign of what marks Jesus' people is they have humble faith and they seek to worship Jesus. That's the first sign of what marks his people. So we could ask ourselves, do we want to worship Jesus? Do we look and look to want to worship him? Do we desire to worship him? It must have been a very hard road for them to travel through the desert for five months. But they didn't care. They came. They came to worship. And they're looking for him. So Herod, the king, heard this. It says he was troubled. He was threatened. He felt like his throne was going to be taken away from him. I get like this too. I sit on the throne of my own heart. When I first encountered Jesus and that he was going to take over my, my throne, I became troubled. But I don't want Jesus to come here and take away my kingdom. It's my kingdom. Herod was troubled. When you hear about Jesus, are you troubled in your heart? Do you find yourself to be threatened that your life is going to be taken away from you? Your way of life. And it says also that Jerusalem was troubled with him. And they were troubled with him because they were afraid of what he was going to do. There's going to be some blood coming down, down the streets. He was very uh, ruthless in his ruling. So what did he do? He got the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he inquired of them. And this word inquired means he demanded from them. This is how he goes to Bible study. He demands from the Bible. He's demanding of them where the Christ was to be born. It's interesting. He knows something about the Christ. He's heard about the Christ, and he's asking about where is this Christ supposed to be born? When the wise men came, they didn't ask about where's the Christ. They came and asked where's the king. So he knew that this Christ was going to be king and take his place. And so the chief priests and the scribes, these are the religion professionals. If you had a question about the Bible, you would come to these people and you would ask them and they would give you an answer. Or they would teach the people the law of God. Um, the Jewish people were experts in expecting the Messiah. They, were, they knew where he was going to be born, what he was going to do. They knew everything that the scripture had about the Messiah. And so when Herod comes and says, where is this Messiah going to be born? They tell him. They answer him. 
They say in Bethlehem of Judea, verse 5, for so it is written by the prophet, here's verse 6, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Wow. This is my, one of my favorite contrasts about Jesus and Herod. You have Herod, who kills his people. And you have Jesus, who dies for his people. Do you remember when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd? I what? Lay down my life for my sheep. Beautiful. So, Herod, Herod used the Bible now for personal gain. What do I mean by that? He found an answer. He knew where this threat was born. And he wanted to go and get rid of that threat. Now he knows the place. He's going to keep his throne. It's personal gain. This is what he does in verse 7. He summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him... Bring me word that I too may come and, what? Worship him. He just covered up his sin with religion. Ooh, that's very scary. I've done that before. I've hid, I hid behind religion before. I'm a good person. I go to church. But deep down in my heart, I wanted to kill Jesus. Is this how you are and I am? We've we got to ask these kind of questions. When we hear about Jesus coming, do we want to get rid of him or do we want to embrace him? Do we seek to worship him or do we seek to get rid of him? We see a lot of Christian leaders who do this too. They use, they use religion to get personal gain. They can twist the scriptures and do whatever they want, but they're going to have, they use the scriptures for their personal gain. The wise men are using the scriptures for something else. They're coming to, um, to come and worship. Okay. So we see Herod there, and he sends these wise men to Bethlehem. He tells them the answer. Herod is the one that told them the answer. Go and search diligently. Notice also he's doing this secretly. He's not doing this publicly. He has a plan. He's trying to devise something. He's, he's evil and sneaky in this way. He's cunning. And he wants them to find the exact Messiah, the, the exact boy that's born, so that he doesn't waste his time going and just looking. He wants them to look, come back and tell me exactly who it is. I want to worship that person. After listening to the king, verse 9, they went on their way. Stop right there. We, just, we see three reactions to Scripture. Okay? The first reaction to Scripture is the chief priests and scribes. They had a lot of knowledge about the Bible, but no faith. Why do I say that? They didn't follow the Magi. It's a two-hour walking trip down to Bethlehem. So the first reaction to Scripture is, yeah, I have all this knowledge, but I have no faith in actually what I believe. I can learn 
everything there is about the Bible. But when it comes time to actually doing something and, show, and following it, I, I have no regard for it. Number two, we see the reaction of Herod, who used Scripture for his personal gain. And we see number three, we see the wise men, who, who are limited in their knowledge of the Scriptures when they heard that little pointer Go to, go to Bethlehem, they followed. So when you hear Scripture, and we come here on Sunday mornings, and we hear the Word of God, what happens when we go home? Do we leave the Word of God here, or do we go home and follow? The Word of God is doing something to us. It's pointing us to where Jesus is. Or do we come to the Bible when we need something from it, and that's it? So, they heard the king, and it says this, And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Stop right there. We don't follow stars to get to Jesus, right? We don't follow dreams to get to Jesus. We have a light, and it is defined to us what the light is, and and that's found in Psalm 119, 105. There it is. Your what? It's a lamp to my feet, and they what? So what's our star? Scripture. And where is Scripture leading us? It's resting over the place where the child is. You know, if the wise man got their answer for wisdom's sake and went back home, they would have been foolish, faithless men. If they came all this way and got their answer, where's the, where's the king supposed to be born? And got that answer? Oh, I got the answer. It's Bethlehem. And then turned around and went back home, they would be foolish, not wise men. What made them wise was they followed the star. You know, it must have been really interesting for them because they came to Jerusalem thinking there was a party going on. They got, the king is born. Let's go and show him homage. We're here, to, we're here to show them that we're for him. But there was no party. All the people didn't, couldn't give him an answer. Herod secretly told them where he is. So try to put yourself in the wise men's We traveled five months. Did we get it wrong? Did we come too early? Are we too late? But when they saw the star, verse 10, what happened? They what? Verse 10. Rejoice. How? Exceedingly. With what? With great joy. (laughs) They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were so happy. 
How about us? When there's times of darkness in our life, gloominess, God's not, God doesn't seem to be speaking, and we're going through life kind of unsure, what happens when we see the light of God's word shine upon us? Do you guys get excited? I get so excited. You're here. You're with me. You're leading me. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They found the house. They found the child. And what did they do? It says this. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Now stop right there real quick. Real footnote. Notice what came first. Was it the mother or the child? Child. They're very specific in their seeking. The child and his mother. Matthew is showing us that this child is very important, more important than his mother in this sentence, okay? Saw the child with his mother Mary. And what did they do? What does the Bible tell us these wise men do? Fell down and worshipped him. Can you imagine? I have a two-year-old. If I hear a knock on my door and I look outside and it's like horses and chariots and there's all these men coming down, they're coming with treasure chests, they walk into the door, they see the child, and they fall down to worship? That's bizarre. It's bizarre. What are you doing? <laughs> Get up off the floor. You have nice clothes on. The second mark of people who belong to Jesus. The first one was what? Humble faith seeks to worship him, right? The second one was what? Joyful worship. Joyful worship. They were so happy to praise and worship Jesus. Are you happy when you come here to worship Jesus? Are you excited when you go home and you get chances to worship Jesus? Is this a reality in your life? Notice one more thing. And this is another footnote. Who did they worship? Does it say them, Mary, and Jesus? Who do they worship? Him. Mary doesn't get any worship. Jesus got the worship from these wise men. Very important. They were very specific in who they're worshiping. Him, the child, the king of the Jews, the Messiah. So, number three, the third mark that marks the believer, and this is our last one, devotion to him. Devotion to him. What happens after they worshiped him? Then, what? Opening their, what? Treasures. They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. First sign of devotion, they gave him gifts. Do you have gifts to offer the Lord? Yes. 
doesn't have to, it's not monetary. We're not talking about it had to be gold or frankincense or mirth, but it was out of their livelihood that they brought over from their land and they give to the Lord Jesus. It's first sign of devotion. Do you offer him your gifts? The second sign of devotion, look at this. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their country in another way. They, probably, they took a longer route to go back home because they're devoted to him. They listened to God being warned in a dream. If they went back to Herod and said, oh, man, we just came back from worshiping Jesus, Herod would have gone. Right? They obeyed God. They obeyed this warning, and they went. Now, um, we have a few more verses, actually, to go through, down to verse 15. It says, now, when, the, when they had departed, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Now, Joseph had no contact with Herod. The wise men didn't know what Herod was going to do, so Joseph wasn't told by the wise men what Herod was going to do. He was warned in a dream. It's so unique to the situation that the only way that Joseph is going to know to get up and take the child and his mother and go to Egypt was because God warned him. But God, I cannot do what you're telling me to do. It's going to be expensive. Well, the wise men just given you gold. You just received gold and frankincense and myrrh. You have materials. You can go down to Egypt now. Egypt, which was once a, a slavery, uh, for the Jews were enslaved to Egypt, and God had set them free and brought them out of Egypt. Israel became faithless. They be, they. They were his people coming out, and then they, um, they made calves. They followed after idols. They have become faithless beings. But when Jesus goes to Egypt, there's a prophecy written that the Lord had spoken by the prophet in verse 15. Out of Egypt I called my what? son. When Jesus comes out of Egypt, he's fulfilling what we were supposed to do in the first place. He fulfills our salvation. He did everything that pleased the Father. He kept all righteousness. When we were completely lacking in that, Jesus actually lived a life that was pleasing to the Father. And like we said before, Jesus went to the cross in our place. He paid the price that we were supposed to pay as an offense to God. Jesus goes to the cross and puts your sin on himself. And then God doesn't just leave it there. But God takes his righteousness, the life that he lived, the credit he earned by himself and has given it to us. There's a trade that happened. So, so we just finished 2019. It's pretty awesome. 2020 is coming on, and I just have a few hopeful things for us. 
Let's seek Jesus more. Let's go after him. Let's use the scriptures to go after him more. And then when we come to worship him, let's be joyful in our worship. Let's remember who he is and what he's done for us. We didn't deserve it. We were supposed to be lost in the desert forever with no word from God. But he's brought us out of that desert and he's brought us to his son. Let's worship him joyfully. And three, throughout this year, it's been 2020, let's be more devoted to him. Let's worship him when it's hard to worship him. Let's be devoted to him. Let's offer him our gifts, our service, whatever you need, Lord. No matter the threat. That's what I have for us today. So Jesus is the divine king. He fulfills our salvation. And what is his people marked by? They have humble faith who seeks to worship him. And when they worship him, his people worship him joyfully. And they live lives of devotion to him. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, to be more devoted to you this coming year, we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are and coming to this earth, not taking any recognition or glory from man. You take the lowliest of places, Lord. You came as a, as a baby. And then to live a life that's pleasing to the Father and then take my punishment and our punishment away, your people's punishment away for offending a holy God. Lord Jesus, and you have given us a spirit now. You say that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You have given us the light of your word, which will guide us more to you because it will rest over you. It, it points us to you. You have given us all the materials and all the tools that we need, Lord, to, to live lives like these wise men who seek to worship you no matter how hard the travels were. They worshipped you joyfully. They fell down at your feet, and they were devoted to you. Just like how Joseph was devoted to you, and he heard the warning, and he took the babe down to Egypt when you warned him to. Lord God, we just thank you for, this coming, for the year that we just had and all the blessings and all the times you walked with us through hard times. We pray, Lord, for strength for 2020, and we pray, Lord, that it will be a year of close devotion to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.